How's it going? Uh, it's going okay. Um, fucking just bored as fuck, man. <laughs> hey, I'm really curious. Uh, you said you do um, a lot of physical therapy because you hurt your knee. Yeah, I tore my ACL. That's crazy. How'd you manage to do that? Well, when I was 25, I was uh, spin kicking at a uh, bent life or during bent life and I kinked my knee to the side. And at that point in time, I had like a weird instability where my knee would kind of come out of place, but I didn't have insurance at the time. So I just thought I'd walk it off. And about a month later, I turned my knee completely to the side, like 90 degrees um, during a set that I was playing. And one of my friends ended up having to pick up the mic and finish the set because he knew the words to most of our songs. So he just sang while I got carted out fucking stage and dragged into the alley where someone should have just shot me. Um, but uh, I didn't have insurance, so I just kind of had to walk it off and then, you know, fast forward five years, I was skating at LDB Fest and my knee kinked out of place again. And I was like, well, whatever I did, I did something serious again. And when they looked at it, they were like, yeah, you've snapped your ACL completely. So I probably tore it a little bit when I was 25 and I finished it off at 30. That's so. that's pretty crazy. When yeah, you know, it sucks. When they carted or yeah, when they carted you off into the alleyway. So did you just like have to chill? Like, did you think it was even serious or like had you? It recover? ballooned up. Oh, okay. It ballooned up so fast. I looked at uh, I looked at Sammy the singer for uh, Will to Die because he was like there and he was like I could see it in his face. He was looking at my knee. And I looked at him and I was like, just shoot me, just shoot me right now. And my dad was even at the show too. And he like was like helping me get into a chair and like shit. And I was just like, I'm fucked. I'm fucked. And I ended up like, I had to take like a month off work and I couldn't really walk for a while. And even when I went back to work, like I would say like most, like a dozen times a day, my knee would just like kind of slip out to the side. And I would just kind of laugh it off and like say like, all right, well, I got to be brave because I don't have health insurance. I got to work. And, um, so I did that and it, you know, went from being a dozen times a day to half a dozen to once a day to once a week to once a month and then on and on. So like, I, I couldn't like mosh for like a year and I couldn't really do anything. I had to be super careful with everything I did for a really long time. My band at the time, like we took like six months off and I, you know, no one really cared about the band anyways, but it definitely didn't help our case that, you know. We had to spend six months waiting around for me to feel comfortable enough to play again. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think having health insurance this time and it also like, I couldn't even walk. Like I got to limping around the house. I did, I tore it on February 9th and I got to walk around the house a few days before my surgery on March 5th. So that entire month I was pretty much immobile. So yeah, I had to get surgery this time. I wasn't going to get by on just walking this one off. So how far along are you into your recovery? So uh, after surgery, they want you off work for 12 weeks and I'm on my ninth week right now. So I go back to work in three weeks, but I just found out from the doctor the other day that they like, they want me on like light, like, or they want me on restrictions at least for six or for six weeks after I go back to work. So 
that's kind of fun because uh, my work kind of works me to death. So I kind of get like plausible deniability where I can say, all right, I put in my eight hours. I'm fucking leaving right now. If you don't cover the rest of this shit, that's on you. You know, I'll be back tomorrow to work another eight hours. And then if it needs more than that, I'm going to fuck off because that's all I can do. So uh, I'll spend six weeks doing that. And then hopefully that, that puts me around June. And then Inclination's got a bunch of shit coming up in July. So hopefully around then I'll start feeling more normal and be able to play those shows without as much worry. But yeah, dude, it's, it's, I, I really like, I, I want to push it cause I want to get better, but I don't want to push it too much and, you know, end up right back here and, you know, another year. What, um, for, for the surgery, did you have to like get like a cadaver or which route? No, you I'm take? too young for that. When you, when you're older, they'll do cadaver, but, uh, apparently like, which I know somebody who's like, just like seven or eight years older than me and they got cadaver. So I don't know if it's like different surgeon, different technique, but, um, what they did with me is they repurposed a tendon that I have. Like, um, one of the tendons in your knee regenerates in the ACL and the, uh, meniscus and that shit, they don't regenerate. So they like did some maintenance on my meniscus cause it's a fucking mess from me having the ACL tear in the first place. I've been like, I guess my knee's been pretty unstable for a really long time and I've been beating the shit out of it for my whole life. Um, but they replaced my ACL with this piece of another tendon. So they like mounted it in there with screws. So it takes like six months for like the screws and the graft to all like kind of chill out and be like, all right, we're going to be here forever now. Um, but they seem like, they seem hopeful that I'll return to all activity that I want to do and, you know, enjoy doing within like a year. So I'm, you know, holding out hope, hoping that I don't hurt it again (laughs) before then. How's the um, physical therapy? Do you do it like multiple times a day or just like once a day? Um, when I started, I was doing things multiple times a day because it wasn't very hard. Now I've got like this, like, like laundry list of exercises I have to go through. And it takes about like close to an hour, an hour and a half. And I only take like minute breaks between things. So I typically only do my exercises once a day anymore, but I go to physical therapy twice a week. So I get like homework and then I come home and I do the homework. Some days I'll, I'll, I'll get brave and I'll do it two times a day. Some days I'll do it. And then like yesterday I did my physical therapy and then me and my girlfriend went on a hike. Um, Wait. and that was like my first time kind of like braving unstable ground for a long period of time. Um, and I feel like shit for it today. <laughs> yeah. I feel but like that's fine. pretty scary to go on a hike in the middle of your recovery. I mean, it was like, you know, gravel trails and shit. So it wasn't like I was, you know, we, we, we hiked a small little shortcut trail that was a little bit more, you know, mud and unstable ground. But, you know, I just, I fucking, I need to exercise. I need to get the fuck out. We played kickball the other day and I just uh, volunteered to be like all time roller because I couldn't like run or field or definitely couldn't kick. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I'd like trotted around a little bit and like kind of got after the ball a little and like sweated, which I miss doing. Cause, uh, like I can't go to the gym and I can't mosh and I can't do any of the things that I like to do that were physical that made me feel like I was living. So for a second there, I got a, I got a little bit of a glimpse of living again. 
So what do you do when you um, have to sit, just like sit at home and pass the time? So you have to take it easy. Well, I started playing video games. <laughs> I like never had time to play video games. Cause I work like 50, 60 hours a week and, you know, having a girlfriend and having fucking bands and going to every show I possibly can. Like I never had much time. Like we got Spider-Man on black Friday and it took us like four months to beat it. And I know people who beat it in like two days. So, uh, yeah, so I started playing video games, playing like Red Dead Redemption, and uh, I started playing that game, The Division, and it's, it's it's okay. But I mean, yeah, it's just like that. I've gotten way too many tattoos because I've just been going and hanging out at my friend's tattoo shop, and I uh, I need to chill out on that because I've spent a little bit more money than I should have on getting tattoos, and I definitely am going to have a lot of medical bills rolling in pretty soon. So, uh, yeah. Well, good thing. But yeah, just it, anything I could to pass the time. <laughs> so, besides Red Dead and The Division, um, do you have any other games, or are those the only ones you're playing right now? No, I'm weirdly OCD. So, until I finish something, I can't really pick something else up. So, once like we were like determined to finish Spider Man, so once we finished Spider Man. I got Red Dead, and then I was like pretty determined to do everything in it. But by the time I beat the epilogue, I was like, I kind of just want to play something else now. <laughs> so uh, I got the division, and that's that's kind of passing the time a little bit. But I've only played it for like a few days, and I had like one of the most embarrassing moments of my entire life via playing online with somebody the other day because I don't have a headset, and I felt like just the biggest burden idiot ever. I like sent him like a friend request on PlayStation Network and apologized in, in the message. I was like, I'm so sorry. I don't have a headset. I know that was so annoying. Like, I just don't know, dude. I'm so alone right now. I'm just like, like, fuck. Like, I had like the most contact I'd had with somebody that day and I just fucking annoyed the shit out of him. Oh, wow. Did he respond to you? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh, he might just like read this message and like, wow, this guy must be a loser. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's totally right. Oh, wow. That's crazy. That, yeah, sorry. It was, it was pretty good. What happened to the, because I know PlayStation comes with like a stock headset. It didn't. Ours didn't. I don't know. Unless I've been, we actually threw it away. Or, you know what? There's There's like a box of like video game, like, paraphernalia stuff that we just like it's like oh we don't use this so it, it literally i could have a headset in there and i just fucking forgot because it's been so long yeah it, it's like a really like um uh cheaply made like earbuds so oh maybe that dude it might be in there and i might just be even worse than i thought i was <laughs> just yeah. even a bigger idiot <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe you could kind of um, look through it before you play the division again, so you don't have to send one of those messages. Yeah, I've, I've just like avoided any time anybody's invited me to join their party. I've just said no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll just I'll just play for myself and get killed a bunch. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's hilarious. That's funny. Well, yeah, I hope uh, you know your recovery. Um, stays on schedule and everything's fine and there's no hiccups so you can get back to normal life yeah dude me too like uh fucking the fact that we're gonna play son of fury and i'm gonna have to watch have heart from the sideline kind of breaks my fucking my soul a little bit um because i don't know if i'll ever get a chance to see them again because i don't know if they're ever gonna do this again 
Well, uh, so uh, let's build up to that. So in the gotcha. beginning of um, July, you guys have like a little run in the Midwest. Yeah. And are you at all nervous to um, play those shows? Absolutely. 100%. I've got, uh, I keep, I keep telling people and it's like, and I get like weird looks, but like I'm crazy. So like I've thought, I think about things a lot and I've got like a plan of how I'm going to get through the shows and it's just wearing jeans. That's my plan. Cause it's July. It's going to be hot as fuck. It's going to be hard to move in jeans. So I will be contained more than if I was wearing, you know, shorts or camo pants or some shit like that. Like I'll, I'll want to move more. It'll be lighter. I'll want to jump, which I shouldn't. And my plan right now is just to wear jeans. (laughs) You don't have like some sort of like knee brace or anything. You see, I do have knee braces and shit and I will wear them, but they've like told me even in PT that like that I shouldn't need knee braces. Like my knee should be stable enough. So I'll probably wear them for sets, but like, I mean, I'm physical as fuck. And the thing is the the biggest issue I have with playing and like my like physicality is that I don't think at all while we're playing, like whether it's fucking our first few shows, I like drop kicked people and like stage dove and spin kick and mosh the entire time. Like I'm not having to, you know, do vocals. Like none of that is goes through my head as like a decision. It's just things I do. So I have to like try to trick myself into like reining myself in. Like the other day I had to play a set in my other band and um, I had forced myself to use a mic stand because I was like, this will nail me to one ish place. Like I'll have to carry this motherfucker around with me the whole time. So this will chill me out a little bit. This will make me, you know, kind of calm down. And, uh, and that's just the biggest issue with me and my life in general is like, just trying to rein myself in. Like I would do things like all the time. Like I would start watching a band and I wouldn't put my knee braces on right away because that would keep me from going out there immediately and getting hurt. <laughs> like I have to do little things cause I have very little self control when it comes to, uh, trying to enjoy myself. <laughs> I definitely understand how that feels. Um, like a long time ago, I broke my hand, so I had to get surgery and I was in some like cast, it, but it wasn't like a full, like hard cast. It was like, um, re- it was like really weird because I had like these pins like inserted into my hand to keep like these bones stable and oh, were they hanging out of your skin and everything? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've was, seen that before. Yeah, I've never bad. gotten that before. Yeah. It was pretty bad. It was pretty gross, but like I would still go to shows and I would still mosh and like one time I like hit somebody on accident with it and I wanted to just to like hurl over and just cry because it hurt so bad. Yeah. It rattles in your hand. It yeah. rattles in your hand. Yeah. It's awful. It was such a horrible feeling, but like it, it's hard to, you know, be at a show and not just, you know, have that energy like released. Sometimes yeah, it's do just the things you want to do. Yeah. Cause going to shows just to stand around sometimes just isn't worth it. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, that's like, that was my feeling the first time I hurt my knee and I spent a year on the sidelines and it was torture. But this, this time around, it's, it's been a lot easier. I mean, I'm older now, so I think I find a little bit, I enjoy things a little differently than I did when I was younger, even though I still want to mosh and go crazy. Like I find I'm finding ways to get through it. Uh, 
I feel like better than I was last time where I would just like, just constantly just feel like fucking awful about, you know, my lack of participation and the thing that I feel like, you know, I want to soak everything into. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I've broken both my hands and I, I know that and I've, I've always made them give me hard casts and do what, and I've told them like, yo, you got to do something to this because I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And if you don't do something to prevent me from re-breaking it, I'm going to re-break it immediately. So they've always kind of, uh, like I've got metal in both of my hands permanently because of, uh, the being a fucking jackass. <laughs> That's crazy. How how many times would you say you've broken your hands? I've only broken my hands and I've broken both of them twice. (laughs) Okay. That's cool. Cause um, I I know sometimes like your bones could get brittle and you could like easily like break them. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck's going on. Like I was, we were talking about it at physical therapy the other day. Cause I've like, I've kinked both my knees to the side. I've hyperextended and dislocated both my elbows multiple times. I've had my shoulder come out of place once, only once, thank God. But I've only broken my hands, like anything else. And I've had a million concussions, but like other than uh, other than my hand, I've never broken anything else. And I'm still pretty fucking stunned about that one. Like I could have cracked my arms at times, but it never like did it enough for me to feel like I needed to go get an x-ray and have somebody tell me about it. Yeah, that's crazy. I've only broken my hand that one time. Other than that, like I've never broken anything else. Yeah, I broke my I broke my hand. I want to say two times skateboarding, two times moshing. Yeah, that's crazy. I think that's right. Yeah. How do you break your hand skateboarding? Um, the first one I broke. Um, I just I was going over a spine. And I just hung up and fell and caught myself. And it was just a hairline fracture straight through my hand. But they casted me up just because I was like, I'm going to keep skating. So you probably should do something to keep me from, you know, moving it out of place. So they casted me up for that. And then the second time I broke it, I, uh, I slipped forward and put my hand like through a ramp. Like I hit the ramp and my hand like busted through it. And, um, well, it was like the side of the ramp. So it was like the side of the plywood. And because of how I hit it, I hit it with like the back of my hand. I snapped my, like the pinky finger in the middle of the hand. I snapped that in a way that they cut me open and screwed a plate into it to keep it from happening again. And yeah, those are in both, both times I broke, I've broken my right, my right hand skating and my left hand moshing. That's crazy. Both times for both times for, for both things. <laughs> that's that's insane. Um, when you, uh, if you remember, um, when you broke your hand moshing, did you know immediately, or was it like after all the adrenaline had gone away? The first time I broke it, I figured it out like a week later when the swelling didn't go down and I had a hump in my hand. Um, and then the second time I broke it, I knew I did something immediately, but I kept moshing. It was uh, true love was covering a right brigade. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I, know, I know I just ruined my hand, but I'm just going to keep going right now because fuck it. Yeah. And then after they're set, uh, the um, Bricks, the dude who sings for uh, the band Miracle Drug from here, he like did this weird like this weird like he like stopped my blood flow 
to my hand in a way, and he like pumped my chest to like get my heart heart racing more, and got all the swelling to go away in my hand for a brief second, and he went, "Yep, you're broken right there." <laughs> so I went to the ER, and uh, I remember my girlfriend was really mad at me because I made us. I, I I went and bought forced order merch while I had my hand broken, and uh, I made her hang around at the show, like. She she missed freedom and she wanted to see freedom, but I made her hang around because I really wanted to see Force Torture again. <laughs> uh, I'm curious about this technique that that guy used on you. Is he like a doctor or? He's a massage therapist, so okay. he just knew some weird shit to do. And no, I've ne- I've never had anyone do that to me before or since. But it was weird. It was crazy. And was uh, he right on where the break was? I mean, it was obvious. You could see. I basically, okay. I'd snapped my, I'd snapped my pinky knuckle into my palm. Oh, okay, that's so crazy. it was like, yeah. So like, it was like hanging by a thread, and it was like in my in my palm. So you could see that like my pinky knuckle wasn't in the right place it was supposed to be. Um, which you know, I t- there was I did that to my or I popped my right pinky out of place once shortly after they took my cast off for breaking my right hand skating. And I thought I'd snapped my hand and bent the plate in my hand, but it turned out my knuckle was just out of place. But cause I've done that before. I knew what the pinky knuckle looks like out of place. And I knew I'd snapped my hand instead of dislocating my knuckle. Damn. That's crazy. And yeah, I, I, I shouldn't know that much about like, like there's been times when I've dislocated my elbow and people have been like, Oh my God. Oh my God. We got to take you to the yard. I'm just like, Nope, just give me a second. I got it. <laughs> and I'll just yank it back into place. That's so scary. Just to think about, like, I got, I've never like dislocated anything. And, um, I, I used to do like, um, mixed martial arts and I always feared about hurting my knees, which was like, yeah. it, was, it was like an odd fear, but just like hearing like how common it was like doing like jujitsu and stuff like that. It scared me. Yeah, no. Uh, I remember when my friends started getting into jujitsu and shit and they were like, Oh Tyler, you should do it. And I'm like, dude, I've dislocated my elbows so much. I don't think you'd even have to put any pressure into an arm bar on me. And my arm would just completely bend out of place. Like there is hardly anything holding my elbows in place. <laughs> Like I've hyperextended them so many times. Um, and they're like, Oh, but you know, you just like, you know, do like kicking drills. And I'm like, again, knees. <laughs> I'm like, nothing in my body says, Hey, you should fucking fight with these things. <laughs> they're all falling apart. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible. I, so yeah. I, I eventually stopped training just cause I didn't have, uh, like time to do it. Um, as much as like the other guys and I could just see everybody getting better and I was yeah, like, yeah, I was like, I gotta just pack it up. Yeah, no, I feel you on that one, dude. The part of the reason I didn't skateboard for a really long time after hurting my knee wasn't so much because of like, it was, you know, I didn't have, to, I told myself I didn't have time to skate before I hurt my knee. So I don't have time to skate now. Um, also my knees hurt. So like, I don't want to hurt it again. But there was like a big portion of that was just like, I'm not going to be any good anymore. Like, I really don't want to like face that. Like, so like part of the reason I started back was because I started back with this like idea that like, I'm just going to be happy with whatever I can do. 
I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to be upset that I can't do more. Like, I'm just going to be happy with whatever I can do. I'm not going to make myself do it all the time. Like, I'm not going to be mad when I can't go skate. But, you know, when I can go, I'll go and I'll have fun and I'll enjoy it for what it is. And I think, like, that was a good, healthy way to go back into something that can completely, they completely damaged me and put me in a place where now I'm fucking fucked up. But, uh, but I realized I was like, I had this like weird, like, and I, I, so I can relate to that, that, you know, that feeling of like, well, shit, like everybody else is better than me. Like that fucking sucks. <laughs> Cause I'm like upset that like my body can't handle it. And like, you know, uh, so yeah, I feel you on that. So I'm you still plan to skate once everything is healed up. Uh, so I'm taking since it happened at LDB Fest. I'm saying next year at LDB Fest is the first time I'm going to step on a board again, and the first time I'm going to mosh again. Okay, I'm going to give myself an entire year between the injury and the next time I do it. That's a good, which move. should be enough time. Yeah, they've said they've said six months, six to nine months before you resume sports activity. So I'm going to give myself a few extra months because I'm an asshole, and uh, we'll let it uh, let it possibly feel better. And then when I come back, I'm going to have to be super fucking careful and set myself some healthy boundaries with uh, how I'm going to go about being a fucking maniac again. For sure, I, I think that's a good amount of time to um, take off especially with all the physical therapy and everything you're doing. So, yeah. And I'm also like, I'm never going to stop physical therapy. That's my other thing is even when I start going back to like lifting weights again, I'm going to keep a couple like just like tensile strength things for my knee involved in every workout. And I'm going to take a day of every week where I just do just knee PT stuff to try to keep things uh, from happening to my other knee, honestly. But, try to keep them stable in my right knee. That's good. That's cool. Cause it would suck to have to go through it all over again. Cause that's like a long time oh, to yeah. be out. Yeah. I mean, my left knee has been popping like crazy. I think because of the overcompensation I've had on it recently. And it's like, it's to the point where I'm like, sometimes think, man, they should have just done both knees. <laughs> nah. They should have looked at the left one too. That's scary to think about. But, Okay. It is what it is. Um, wanted to ask you about um, inclination. Uh, how did the band uh, come together? Uh, band came together uh, because me and Caleb, our bass player, wanted to do a band for a really, really long time. And we started having this plan to do a band with Isaac and it'd be a straight edge band. And we... Uh, we spent a really long time trying to figure out lineup and, you know, sound and stuff like that. It all <clears throat> fell apart a couple of times. Um, just couldn't get things together. Couldn't figure out what instruments people are going to play. Isaac, uh, Isaac talked about it on a podcast he did the other day, but um, essentially Isaac just kind of got fed up and just wrote the whole record by himself. And um, he just sent the song, the music to me. And was like, hey, what do you think? And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to write lyrics to it right now. And I sat down and I wrote all the lyrics. So at the time when we were, when he went, so at that point we were like, all right, well, Isaac has to play guitar now. Because he was originally going to play drums in the band. 
And it just wasn't supposed to be like this serious thing. It was just going to be like, you know, a band we'd play like maybe our fest, you know, we'd play a couple shows here and there when Isaac's home, um, like locally, maybe we'd play a couple out of state shows. Um, we didn't know it was going to sound like what he came up with for it to sound like either. So like, I didn't expect it to resonate with anybody the way it has. Um, but yeah, once, once the music was recorded, um, around the time that was all coming together, Peter, the, um, our other guitar player, he was in the mix and ended up on, he's the one who does the only other vocals on the first DP on no exit. Um, but around in like all around the same time, like they're all kind of starting to learn the songs because Isaac just, you know, kind of sat down by himself and wrote it all. And we didn't know who was going to play drums. That was a juggling act for a while, trying to figure out who was going to play drums. And then, uh, ended up Prosser who he plays in that wrist meets razor band and shame. And now he's playing in Steve space cowboy till, till they get sick of him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, he jumped in cause he was, he wasn't living in Louisville when the band started to form. But by the time the band was, you know, needing a drummer, he was here again. So it was like, he was a sensible choice and we just, I don't know. It's one of my favorite bands I've ever been in that just vibes so well. Like we've all like pretty much everybody in the band has known each other a really long time or at least I've known everybody in the band a really long time. Peter and Caleb kind of met because of the band and like they knew each other, but they really know each other now. And I think like sometimes I, I, I realized that because of this band, I've talked to Caleb more in the, since the band started than I had our entire friendship, which was years. Like even in those first six months of being in the band, I realized that like me and Caleb communicated more in that six months than we had like our whole like fucking six or so years of knowing seven, six or seven, eight years of knowing each other. Um, and the same for Peter and me and Peter had been in a band before and it just, I don't know. I feel really lucky because not only do I get to, you know, be in this band with these people, but like I get to be around these people more than I was before. And Prosser's a fucking riot to have in the van, and he's he's so fucking funny to have on tour. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 warm because Isaac is pretty much a fucking genius when it comes to writing music, and uh, just I don't know, he's got some he's got a fucking crazy ear for writing, and uh, for some reason they wanted me to sing for it, so I got to double dip at the time because I was already in a band, and. Uh, do this, which I, you know, fucking care immensely about. So yeah, that's kind of how inclination formed. Also, it's my first straight edge band. So like I've been wanting to do a band like this for ever since I was in high school and never got the chance. So finally here it is. So I'm just curious about um, the communication. You say that um, you guys um, have like talked more um, since you guys have been in the band since um then you like their whole friendship beforehand what what drove that well caleb's not from here he's from uh kansas city originally and st louis and when i met him he was living in columbia um missouri 
And then, you know, he played in Expire, so he moved around because of that. But he's been living in Lexington with his now wife for years now. But, I mean, he's living in Lexington. He's going to college. Like, even when he wasn't going to college, he was in Expire. So he would be around, you know, every once in a blue moon around shows in Louisville. Or, you know, I'd have to go see him play in his band. And that was the times that we got to spend together. And, you know, those times aren't as, you know, intimate as uh, being, you know, stranded in a band together for days on end. And also, like, you just, you don't have that, I don't know, there's just a, an excitement about talking to each other now that, you know, we've always cared about each other, but now, like, we, like, depend on each other and we rely on each other and we're involved in this art together that we all immensely care about. So, uh I don't know. It's just a whole, it's a whole different fire in our friendship right now that we've like, same with Peter, like even before when we were in a band, like when me and Peter were in a band together, like no one in that band cared as much as Peter. And after him, I don't think anybody really cared as much as me. So to be in this band, like Peter's in a band with a bunch of people who have not only like a dedication to something other than the band, because we're all, you know, pretty pretty fucking straight edge um we all you know have this really immense like interest in music and uh you know understanding of the world because we're all way fucking older i don't know it's just it's 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 different like we all i feel like inclination appreciates inclination more than uh more than other bands i've kind of been in you said uh, in high school, um, you've been wanting to be in a straight edge band. Why was it important for you to do that? Um, I mean, well, I was just in bands. So like, you know, it was, I was always, you know, like, and I was straight edge. So, it, you know, always wondered, you know, damn, it'd be sick to be in a straight edge band. But unfortunately, you know, I can't, I don't play anything. So I'm basically at the mercy of anybody who decides that they want my, dumbass to write words to music they wrote so uh i uh you know it's just that 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 waiting game like ever i've basically been in a band ever since the first time i got asked to be in a band like i've jumped from one to the the next there's never been too much time that i wasn't doing anything but uh i mean just never never came together with a bunch of people who were all you know interested in being straight edge or drug free or you know yeah, that's, that's, that's really it. There's just, there's never been, um, I would say before inclination, I'd maybe only been in all the bands I'd been in. There's maybe like five or six straight edge kids who I played in bands with and they're never at the same time. So. <laughs> it's weird. Um, have you ever came across a, a band where everybody is straight edge, but it's not a straight edge band? Yeah, that's weird, right? Yeah, I, I think about um, everybody, it. Everybody in Expire, everybody in Expire was straight edge at one point, actually. But uh, when Caleb joined, I think, or maybe it was before Caleb, I can't remember. But I know, like at one point, somebody said something, and it was like, it "Was like, well, are you guys gonna be a straight edge band now?" And they're like, "No." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> yeah, it's a little which strange. I, which I mean, I guess that's weirder if you start a band and you aren't a straight edge band and you become one. Has that ever happened? I don't think that's ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. I'm trying to think about it. 
Yeah, like you start one way and you end the other way. <laughs> and you usually break up because of it. Man. Or you try to act like your songs weren't about straight edge, yeah. which is insane. I love that. I love that I've seen that happen before. It's wild. Yeah, it's super crazy. You know, uh, Midwest Hardcore, I, I used to... Um, like love expire when they're active. Um, I was really into that band, um, focus minds. Yeah. Um, but then was there like a, like a drop off? Um, cause sometimes I feel like the Midwest gets like overlooked. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, there was like, there have been so many bands in the Midwest to try to get, noticed for a really long time like for a while chicago hardcore had like a good notoriety like the killer was pretty notorious and um the dudes in harm's way used to be in the straight edge band uh expired youth that i feel like had a little bit of notoriety i think they played uh they played posi numbers it was before my time but oh wow that was a long um, time ago yeah um but yeah like so like you know outside of outside of Chicago, like there weren't that many, there weren't that many, um, Indianapolis bands that really, I feel like gained that much notoriety. Like there were some Cincinnati bands like, uh, stuff faster and shit like, but that was like a whole different kind of, you know, like that was that different scene of bands like shattered realm and like all of the, like the kind of the crew bands and stuff, which, you know, Louisville has always kind of sat in like this different sort of bubble, which I think for a really long time, Louisville was kind of like a DC junior. Like it had like a different kind of music. People always used to say like, Oh, there's something in the water there. Like, you know, like these weird bands from Louisville. And there was kind of like, I feel like like an, an, a nonconformist, like, situation in Louisville that changed when it kind of revived because all that stuff died away and all the like the notorious Louisville bands like just dwindled because I think the kids who went to the shows the kids who cared about the music either moved away or became adults because there used to be like hundreds of kids who would go to by the grace of God shows and endpoint shows and guilt shows back in the day and even when I started going to shows, like there was, you know, there'd be hundred or so kids at Black Cross shows and Coliseum shows, but just it all just fucking just faded the fuck away. I think like the internet really helped a lot with uh, like splintering people into all these different subsects of hardcore rather than just, you know, finding hardcore and then taking it all for what it was. Um, you got to find certain things that catered to just you and then you just went to those shows. Um, also like there was just this huge high school presence of, uh, kids in, in hardcore when I was younger, where like there were, you know, the three or four high schools that funneled kids into shows and it happened without effort. Like my high school was one of them. Um, there's, there was like a, you know, a nicer end of town high school that produced a lot of hardcore kids. And there was a downtown high school that produced a lot of hardcore kids too. And then, you know, you always had some from 
the trashier areas that wandered in. But, uh, but yeah, no, um, the Midwest is like, after all that shit happened, like when I started doing music and started being in bands, it felt like nobody paid attention to anybody in this region anymore. Like even the guys in expire, like were you know, grinding in bands forever that weren't getting any, any traction. There was this band from Illinois called black teeth that one of my old bands used to tour with. They were like one of the early bands on the closed casket roster when, uh, um, he started like trying to, I think like move the, the band away from like Acacia strain and like things like that. Um, or move the label away from like that, that kind of sound. And, um, like, I think he did like a recon record before that too. And like, it was like, he was trying to do the things that now he's doing it on a fucking grand scale. Like he's bringing up so many fucking bands that kind of have that, that darker tinge, but black teeth was one of the early bands that I felt like almost had a chance, but they fucking, they, they faded out like lineup shit. Yeah, it was just really, really hard, I think, in the Midwest because it was almost like you had to stay a band even longer than bands on the coast to get any sort of recognition. And uh, it's so hard to stay in a band for very long because everybody fucking grows up, you know, drops out, sells out. You know, hardcore is a very tumultuous uh, thing to be involved in. Nobody ever sticks around forever, or at least, you know, it's hard to find a group of four to five people who are going to stick around for, you know, even fucking five years. Yeah. Cause I, I can imagine, um, being in a band, you want to make some sort of progress, maybe hit like either coast or do a tour somewhere. But if like you guys are putting in hard work and feel like nobody's even paying attention, it's kind of hard to keep the drive going. Yeah, I think, I mean, you just got to find people who don't, who like, and that's one of the things that I think the bands that shine through from the Midwest more than anything are the bands that it doesn't matter if they're playing to 10 people or, you know, a hundred, they're playing the same every time. And I think, I mean, even like, like everybody, I don't think it matters if you're from a coast anymore. I think it just, it's hard for every band anymore because, uh, talking to, um, the kids from that drain band, they've been going for a while and they're only now, I think getting the recognition they deserve. And they're one of those bands that I think play, play to nobody the same way they play to everybody. And, um, and I think that's just, that's, that's the shit that, that hangs around with people. And it just, it's just, you know, it's always time and place. Hardcore is so time and place. You got to play for, the right group of kids who it's going to strike them in a way that they're going to then want to show your band to other people and get them as excited as they are about your band. So like, you know, it, the music definitely matters. The, you know, the performance definitely matters, but more than anything, it matters that the kids who are hearing it, it's resonating with them in a way that they're wanting to, you know, push it on other people. Cause that's how this shit fucking works. That's how I found out about all the bands I love is somebody pushed it on me. Somebody said, Hey, you know, this isn't going away. Check this out. You know, be a part of this, you know, care about this. Oh, you like that band? Well, this band is what they ripped off, you know, like it, like it doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter as much 
from the uh, uh, the, the standpoint of like the the quality of the music or you know the the um the way you play it in front of people is it does you know does it connect with somebody who's listening to it or watching it and are they going to care enough to want to fucking you know be about it and you know wear the shirt not just buy the shirt but actually fucking wear it and um you know listen to the the songs but not just listen to the songs but read the lyrics you know and that's uh that's something I feel like is starting to come back. I think bands like Magnitude are doing a good job at making people care about the substance of it. And, uh, like, I mean, our friend Devin, who, you know, hooked you up with talking to me, like, I think Rejection Pact is an awesome fucking band where I'm seeing what people are saying about them and realizing that they're reading the lyrics. They're reading the lyrics to the songs, which is super fucking exciting, especially for me because I wrote the part that he let me do on that. Like we, he gave me his lyrics. I wrote mine and we were, I sent them to him. I said, are these okay? And he said, yes. And I recorded them and I hear people saying like, yeah, that song, I love that song and what it's about. And I'm like, that's awesome because I helped with that. Like, it makes me feel like, you know, excited to be creative when somebody like takes the time to notice, you know, the work you did and the art you made. I'm always curious about um, Devin. Shout out to Devin, by the way. He uh, is always so critical of that new record. And um, I feel like he tries to just kind of like brush it off. Like it's just like a record that he put out and kids are going to be whatever about it. But I listen to it and I see people like reacting to it online. And I, I try to tell them like, dude, you guys put out like a solid record. Like you guys aren't the biggest band right now but people who listen to that record it's all good things you know nobody's bashing it or it's not like low quality stuff like you guys are from boise um you know idaho like you kind of random fucking nowhere yeah kind of random spot but yeah it's (laughs) like you guys are like writing good stuff so like you know don't be like so like passive about your record because i think it's awesome yeah, no, it's super fucking sick. I, uh, when he sent me it, I was like, I was like, fuck, I was like, I've got to fucking, I've got to actually do a good job on this. Like, I can't be the thing that fucked this up. <laughs> like I felt pressured to like do okay. Like I, I, it, like I didn't t- have to take that many takes cause I kind of fucking nailed it pretty quick, but I missed it the whole day. Just like listening to the song over and over again. I'm like going over like what vocal pattern is going to work. What's going to sound okay. What can I, you know, do with this to not fuck it up. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, dude, my, uh, like not to fucking self promote or anything, but one of my old bands, uh, uh, another mistake, like, I mean, we wrote a record that I feel like hardly anybody cared about, but the people who did, you know, connect with it and it resonated with, like, would always talk to me about how, like, you know, like I really liked what you had to say about this. And, you know, I really liked what, you know, that record you know, I, I liked what those songs were about. I, 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 you know, I felt, you know, felt something for those songs and it, it's just fucking awesome. It's, it's awesome, you know, to hear somebody is, you know, even if it's no, it seems like no one cares. Just the fact that like some people who you don't do or don't know heard that and connected with it in a way that it might've helped them deal with something. Like, cause a lot of fucking, a lot of the songs I write are about people I know, not so much problems I have, but problems other people I know have. 
and um and just my thoughts on on those and feelings about those things like whether somebody's doing something that I think is like harmful or harmful to others or whether I'm recognizing that somebody, you know, might feel, you know, unnoticed or, you know, like their problems aren't real. Like I've written so many songs about my friends issues and hoping that, you know, they understand that they're not alone, you know, that someone sees them and, you know, understands what they're going through writing those songs did you let your friends know that it was about them or did you just wait till the song came a few out of them. Uh, okay a few of them sometimes i'll sometimes i'll sh- if i've written something that's that's directly related to something somebody was going through i'll if i see them i'll be like hey i wrote something and i think you should know <laughs> like you know this is this is about you like there was there was a time uh, i wrote another mistake song about um there was there's this like moment of intellectualism and hardcore that I felt like really fucking annoyed me where a lot of kids were like becoming too cool to participate, like too cool to mosh, too cool to like act like an idiot and be stupid. And there were still some kids who were, and they were getting like, like chastised for this shit. They were getting like made to feel like they were the outcasts or they were immature. And I legitimately wrote a song just for them to let them know that I think what they're doing is awesome. And I think that people like trying to act like they're above, you know, their behavior is like a true fucking loser quality. And like, you know, like that's, I I think like the worst thing about hardcore is that it not only is it like everybody has a voice, but people get to use that voice to put other people down and act like what they're doing is lesser than what you know someone else is doing and i think that everybody should be just you know expressing themselves the way they want to and not having to be made to feel like a fucking noob or a fucking loser or you know like we're all fucking losers like nobody and got into hardcore because it was like the coolest fucking thing in the world it was usually because no one else knew about it and you felt like you know you'd found a sanctuary I still like to um, yeah. believe uh, in like this unity aspect and that we're all like one big um, yeah, happy community. Absolutely. But yeah, the, there's some dark spots, um, which sucks sometimes when I kind of run into that. But I always just try to, you know, keep a positive mind about this whole thing. Yeah, I mean, as, my, as many people I know who suck in hardcore, I know a hundred that don't. So. You know, yeah. that's what I always come back to is, you know, the, the ones who suck don't hang around for very long. Yeah, it, it's really weird being around for so long and seeing how many people actually like come and go. Yeah. 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 And the, my my biggest the, the, the thing that I hate the most is the attitude that when people are on their way out the door, that they can convince other kids to follow them. And that's the thing that I hate the most about like this community, honestly, is that nobody can make a decision for themselves as so much as they feel like they need to make other people's decisions for them sometimes. Like there's kids who like when they're dropping out, they're almost campaigning to get more kids to with them. Like, and it, I guess it comes down to like the fact that like when you're doing something in hardcore, like, you never want to feel like you're the only one doing it, which 
I mean, I guess that's just in general in life. Like you don't want to look around and be the only one who stands out. But I think like in hardcore, like everybody should stand out in their own head. You know, they should just be themselves and themselves is enough. Um, I hate, I hate when somebody feels like they hear something or they see something and they have to look at how the person next to them is reacting to it before they decide how they're going to react to it. I think that is a truly fucking like frustrating quality that a lot of kids in hardcore have where they don't think that their opinion matters unless someone else already thinks it. And that's so fucking frustrating because it's so fucking, it's, it's counterproductive to, you know, to things evolving or changing in meaningful ways. It means that things are only changing and evolving because, someone who someone thinks is cool thought so it makes you want to like i feel like it's stifling makes me want to pull my hair out when i realize like people are are afraid just to be themselves like they're not comfortable in their own skin yeah i mean that's the that's the big fucking thing and that's i think the thing that uh i mean that's that in in it sucks so much because that's like a a like a regular person problem. Like that's like, that shouldn't be an issue in like a counterculture, but you know, people argue that hardcore has ceased to be counterculture anymore. And it's now just, you know, it's just subculture. Yeah. It makes me kind of sad when I think about it, because I got into hardcore just by like an off chance. My, sister showed me like some bands and I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. And I like wanted more and I just, you know, discovered more stuff on like MySpace, and I just never left. And it's just weird now that it's like gotten way more popular because of like stuff like the internet and bands are just getting bigger in general. But it does make me kind of sad that uh, kids aren't really trying to be themselves and they just kind of want to fit in or try to climb this um, social ladder that doesn't really lead you anywhere. It's just kind of strange. In nowhere, dude. Being yeah. cool and hardcore doesn't get you anything. Yeah. It doesn't get you like a better job. You can't put that shit on a resume. Like it's, it's a fleeting fucking position. Like, cause if you're cool and hardcore now, you're not going to be in five years. Like you gotta have to change everything about yourself and like to maintain that that yeah. status so it's just you know just being yourself and being genuine is is like the only way to like stay in status if it makes if that makes any sense like, yeah if if you're yourself and you've never ch- and you've never made some drastic change to be cool and you've gotten cool that cool doesn't go away you just mattered to somebody and you mattered to people and you mattered to the movement. Like if you actually matter, you don't have to change anything about yourself. And And if you don't change anything about yourself, you can fucking matter. Like you can just being yourself matters. Like in the grand scheme, like every, like my favorite people in hardcore are the people who I've met and are genuine. And some of them are cool guys. Some of them are people that nobody knows, but to me, they're the coolest fucking people ever. Like regardless of what anyone else thinks of them. 
I feel like if you're like putting on a facade, you're kind of just digging yourself in a hole because at some point you're going to have to. Yeah, you're delaying the inevitable. Yeah. You're delaying the inevitable. Yeah. Like, how can you be okay with somebody liking you for not who you really are? Like, you're not really giving anybody a chance to um, figure out if they really like you. It's just like this weird thing that, that I think about sometimes. Chameleons. Yeah. And that's the, that's the fucking worst thing about it is it, hardcore is, especially with how it is on the internet has, it creates a very easy, uh, format for people to become chameleons, to trick other people into, and it sucks. Cause like I, and I, I, this is like my, I come back to it all the time. My least favorite thing is that people get tricked into leaving by people who they, you know, view as greater than them when it's like, no one's greater than anybody. Like you're, you're the greatest version of yourself when you're just being yourself. Like I, it makes me sad when I like lose friends because, you know, I'm not saying like, you know, once you stop going to hardcore shows, like fuck you, I don't care about you. But like, you just fall out of my life because that's the time that we got together. Like you move on and start doing other things. And I didn't, because I kept doing the things that brought us together. Like you don't make room in your life for me because I just stayed doing the thing that you were involved in my life in. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, it, it bums me out when I care about people who all of a sudden don't seem like they have room in their life for hardcore anymore, which in turn, you know, ends up being me as well because, these people don't hit me up to fucking go grab lunch or to, uh, you know, go see a movie. These are all, you know, normal things that I do outside of hardcore. But once you stop going to hardcore, you just stopped having room in your life for me. It never happened with me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's just weird. There's just one point in my life. Um, I'm still friends with this guy. Uh, his name's uh, Casey. Him and I were like best friends, like going to hardcore shows all the time together. We're both straight edge. And uh, he like started hanging out with some like old friends from like high school. And he eventually sold out. And he would like invite me to go out to parties and stuff. But I'm like, dude, I was like, I was like, I appreciate the invite, but like, you know, that's not where I want to be. We both used to hate going to that stuff, but I get it. Like you do that stuff now, but like, I'm not going to go down that same path as you because um, straight edge actually means something to me. So like, I'm good on those invites. And eventually like we just kind of had to go our separate ways because he focused more on going out and, partying and hanging out with like a whole different crowd. Um, and I just kind of, you know, stayed where I was because it, uh, it meant like, you know, something to me and I actually cared about it and it wasn't just like a, a like a phase. So it's, it's so weird. So I, I kind of understand what you're talking about when you talk about, um, you know, it sucks like losing people. Yeah. You see like my thing, like, I, cause I don't stay cued into like what the bar scene is and all those things like that. But like, there are people who, you know, I'm friends with who, or who I like at least who are cued into all that stuff. And I would hang out with them if they ever, you know, showed an interest in seeing me outside of that, uh, that setting or, uh, or even to a certain extent within that setting at times, like it, 
like there was, there were like times in my life when I was, I would DD my friends to parties and bars and stuff, you know, for the sake of knowing that they were getting, you know, home safe and, you know, weren't driving drunk because unfortunately for some reason, I know a lot of people who think that's fine <laughs> and it sucks. It really fucking sucks because you know, you find people, you care about them, you connect with them. And then, you know, years later they start driving drunk out of nowhere. And it's like, why are you doing this? Like, you know, I'm busy as shit now, but like there were times in my life when I would, you know, I didn't have a car, but I'd walk out of my house and I'd walk two hours to a party or a bar and I'd drive somebody home. I'd drive a group of people to the next party and then make sure they got home, you know? And, but it takes you reaching out to me for me to know that you need that or cause you know, I'm not just going to sit on my phone every night and text all my friends who drink and say, you getting home or like, that's your prerogative to, you know, be smart enough and with it enough to not put me in this precarious situation and being friends with you when you do dangerous things like that. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I like one of the first like really close friends I had in hardcore who I, like because of hardcore who I lost touch with was cause he started, he started drinking first and stopped feeling like he, you know, could hang out with me. And then he moved on to like harder drugs and stuff and felt, this, you know, complete shame, I think for being around me. Like he felt guilty when he saw me because he wasn't doing the things that, you know, he did when we were friends and if somebody really matters to you, like, you know, I didn't want to see him on fucking Coke, but you know, I did want to see him at times. So like we could go get food or something or, you know, have some sort of still connection. But some people, once they change their life in a way that they don't want to be involved and the reasons why you were connected in the first place, I think they feel this innate guilt when they see that you still exist because they're reminded now of everything that they aren't anymore. And it's hardcore is one of those really fucking like nobody starts playing football and is like, you know, outside of like fucking Friday night lights. And is like, you know, football forever, you know, it's like football for now, or, you know, lacrosse for now, or, you know, like there's hardcore is a hardcore forever, straight edge forever. Like there's these like very strange promises we make to, you know, ourselves in the world being involved in hardcore and being involved in, you know, the different sections and segments of it. Like that's why it's like really weird when somebody's all integrity out and then somehow finds God. And it's like, what? <laughs> like motherfucker, like you've got the integrity skull tattooed on you and now you're going to fucking church, which I know someone who does that. Like this older guy who, like I used to skate with, well, I skated for his company, but like he was like integrity fucking super fan and is involved in some kind of crazy cult church now. And it's like, holy shit. Like these people don't find room for the people who were involved in the thing that brought them together because I think they feel this like sense of foolishness, I think for, you know, having a straight edge tattoo and, you know, drinking a beer or smoking a cigarette, like they don't want to see you anymore because 
you know, that you make them remember that, fuck, I said I was never going to do this. And now I am. And uh, it's frustrating. I think it's very, very frustrating when people can't somehow, like, be human and admit that, you know, well, I guess I was full of shit, but oh well. You know, it's, it's, that's, no one wants to be wrong. And I think, like, I mean, our current political climate is completely truthful of that attitude in this world right now that nobody wants to be wrong. It's easier to double down on being wrong than to admit, you know, the truth that, you know, sometimes you're just fucking wrong and, you know, you just got to face it and adjust and no one wants to do that anymore. So they just deny it, fake news it away and, you know, shove it down and move on. Reminds me of that um, uh, Jesse um, Smollett or Smollett, however you pronounce it in case. Yeah. <laughs> he just had a double down. Um, yeah. And that just blows my mind. I'm like, dude, you got caught. It's it's like, just yeah, deal with just, it. You're fucking caught, dude. Just fucking chill out. Like, just admit it. Say like, yo, oops. <laughs> like, ah, oh, dude, I've like. Uh, it's, it's the most, like, for some reason, the, the two words, my bad, for some reason are so hard for people to say that they can't just say my bad. I didn't think that was going to happen. Oops. Nobody's perfect. No one's perfect. And that's, I, uh, like, I just, it fucking sucks. If the, the current polarization of like everyone in the world right now, not just across political lines, but across like, you know, gender lines and race lines is just, it's so, it's so fucked up because it's clear that these people just aren't willing to be exposed to one another out of some un like irrational fear that they're going to get along sometimes, I think. Like they don't, they want to be right about racism. They want to be right about sexism. They want to be right about, you know, their prejudices of these people that they don't want to have a conversation. They want to, you know, they want the likes, they want the, you know, they want the appearance of care. I, uh, yeah. I I was like um, raised in like the Palm Springs area, Southern California, um, and there's racism everywhere. But growing up, I I guess my parents like raised me right. I don't really know, but like I've never had any hate towards any um, different race or um, you know anybody with like a different um, sexuality like preference. Um, I just kind of thought everybody was just normal. It's like, if I like you, I like you. If I don't, I don't. It's not going to be because of like the color of your skin or the person you love. So growing up, I just kind of thought like that was the normal mindset, but then being exposed to like actual racists and um, people like that, it's just, I just doesn't like, um, like sit right with me. I I don't get it. Dude, it will never make sense to me. Like I, like I, I, saying this, you know, sounds like 
you know, such a typical fucking white fucking guilt thing to say, but the first friend I ever made in school was black. And the reason we made, uh, the reason I became friends with him was because he was sitting by himself and I walked over and, and sat with him and talked to him because I was all alone too. And I felt, I think I felt like the, the person who I would connect with the most would be somebody who like, I, I you know, this is the, the, the hindsight examination of the situation. The reason I think I went and talked to this kid, AJ was because he was by himself and I felt alone too. And I was in a strange place. So it seemed like the only, the most intelligent person to go talk to would be the person who's not talking to anybody. And he was black and it didn't fucking matter. Cause I didn't fucking know like any different, like it's, he was just a kid who was by himself and I was too. So I walked over and was like, Hey, I'm Tyler. And you know, we were friends all the way to middle school. Like AJ Portier. I remember his name fucking still to this day. Um, but yeah, like I think that it just, people just get these weird ideas in their head and for some reason people let them keep them and don't make them, you know, come to grips and ask, you know, have these conversations and uncomfortable conversations. And I think that's really what it is, is it to a certain extent, no one wants to feel uncomfortable. So they'll let people get away with things they shouldn't. Whereas if you just fucking ripped that bandaid off and, and, you know, questioned something that somebody said in your family, you know, at school, every now and then if people had to, you know, reconcile with their incorrect beliefs and feelings, they can, you know, they could learn from them, but nobody wants to be wrong. So, you know, the argument, you know, never happens. The conversation never happens. And I don't know. It's crazy. We live in a place right now where racists feel comfortable. It blows my mind. I'll it's ne- nuts. Yeah. It's so, so crazy, but the world's a crazy place. Sometimes I feel like we're living in an actual simulation. Yeah. But- no, it's, it's wild. It's, and it's not even just America. Like it's happening in Europe too. Like there's massive fucking amounts of, of racism. And I mean, it's really just, I, I, I blame a lot of it on the population. I think that we're as a fucking planet having way too many offspring. And if, if we could quell that in some way, then possibly tensions could, could lower. But also, I mean, I think people just fucking something needs to happen to make people, I don't know, fucking stop voicing some of the, the ill feelings that they have. And, but I guess, you know, them being out in the open, at least you know who's a fucking asshole. Yeah. I don't hang out with anybody like that. Not okay with that. Yeah, stuff. me either. But it's, but it's just, it's wild. It's wild seeing it on the internet. It's wild that there's a fucking platform for people to fucking, you know, have a dumbass haircut and say they're alt right and think that that means they get to get away with, you know, saying black people need to go back to Africa when their ancestors are probably the ones who brought them here. I live in Orange County 
and like I think it was a couple of weeks ago, there was like some march uh, in Huntington Beach. It was all these um, racist, uh, you know, um, all right people. Yeah, that shit's happening in California all the time. I feel like I feel like every time I see like. Nazis getting beat up in the street. It's in California, and I'm like, how the fuck is that happening all the time? Yeah, and it blows my mind because like I've lived in Orange County for it's going to be um, going on like ten years, and I never realized that Huntington Beach was full of people like that. So it's yeah, that's fucking horrifying. It's strange, um, but. I don't know what's going to change it. Maybe if um, aliens come and attack and then we all have to unite together. Yeah. The, the, the watchman, the watchman plan uh, where there's a greater evil that all of a sudden we've got to stop hacking each other's fucking elections and work together to, to fight a common good. Yeah. I mean, dude, it, it, like the, they, they, I remember when I was younger, like one of my biology teachers said like, well, racism just at some point isn't going to exist because everyone's going to crossbreed so much that no one's going to have like any different melanin anymore, but someone's going to be from somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to be from, you know, new Australia and, and people are going to be fucking racist against you for that. Cause I don't know. You're part shark or something. <laughs> I just want to be a side. Yeah, dude, I, like, I don't know. Oh, dude. I mean, that's honestly the people asked me for years why I didn't go get my knee looked at sooner. It's because I was just fucking crossing my fingers that technology would be in a crazy place by the time I needed it, that I'd get just, you know, some sort of, they just, you know, saw, saw me off at the femur and just slap something on that would just be, you know, indestructible. That was the that was, truth be told. That's what I was waiting for to get my knee fixed was, some sort of fucking new new science but uh instead they just use my own fucking stupid fucking tendon it's all right i I think we might live long enough to see that actually happen yeah maybe by the time i need my left knee done it'll be that will be at cyborg time then yeah they'll just um hack it off and give you some cybernetic leg that has (laughs) wi-fi It'll do me no good on my fucking flip phone, but yo, my iPod would appreciate it because I'm like maxed out on songs I've got sa- saved and downloaded on Spotify at all fucking times anymore. Okay. Can I ask you about that? It's 2019. Um, I feel like uh, rocking a flip phone, that's a choice. It is absolutely a choice, but it's a choice grounded in the fact that it costs $20 a month. And uh, I just don't fucking care, dude. I like... There, I have this, like, like I sure, like, I've, I've got, like, the text-to-Twitter thing, so, like, you know, I follow people from my phone, so when they tweet, I get, like, a text sent to my phone that they've tweeted. So every now and then, like, I'll check my phone and, like, you know, see if anybody I follow said anything funny. But for the most part, when I look at my phone, it's for less than a minute. I check and see if anybody's texted me, if anybody's called me, and then I move on. I don't sit there and just, like, glue myself to my phone when I'm at a show or like most of the time I don't even have my phone in my pocket. It shows like at fest. Um, I say a lot of, a lot of my friends and bands can, could, can attest and remember I'll walk over to a merch table and I'll hide all of my possessions under a shirt and I won't come back for hours. 
I just exist in a real life for the most part. So yeah, the flip phone is a choice, but it's a choice with a bunch of reasons. Like everything that I do, everything's got a ton of reason behind it because I'm crazy and I think about things too much. Have you ever owned a smartphone? Uh, I had an iPhone three at one point because on a tour, um, my flip phone broke, and our bass player in that band and in, in another mistake, he had an iPhone three that he was using as an iPod, and iPhone three you could still like that was still a SIM card iPhone, so I just took my SIM card out of my flip phone and put it in the iPhone three, but the iPhone three had no internet access. It could only talk on the phone on speakerphone. So um, I would always use this uh, this analogy that when I talked on the phone, I talked on the phone like a motor scooter wigger, which <laughs> is truly a southern thing. I know I know some people, like I think some of my friends in Michigan are aware of this particular person, but they've always got a, there's this thing called a Portland fade in Louisville. It's a really bad haircut where basically your whole head's buzzed except for your bangs and they're bleached blonde. I don't know if this haircut exists anywhere else in the country, but it exists in Louisville. That's and it's weird. a certain area of Louisville to the point where it's called a Portland fade, which is Portland is a neighborhood in Kentucky or in Louisville. But, um, but Portland, Portland fade wiggers are um, horribly dressed and they're always on motor scooters and they only talk on speakerphone. And that's the thing. And they also, when they listen to music, they listen to it on their phone out loud in public. <laughs> no headphones. They do not own headphones. No, not. There's not a single motor scooter wigger has ever maybe seen headphones. I don't know. Certainly never owned. Um, but yeah, so I would have to, I would have to talk on the phone and speakerphone, which is horribly embarrassing. So I refuse to do that. Um, and uh, it just was, it was a text box. That was all I use it for. It's just a text. The text box. That's what I called it. So I've had a smartphone briefly, but it was nowhere near intelligent. So you don't have an Instagram? Um, my ex-girlfriend runs my Instagram. Uh, and it used to be just kind of a joke. And she would post like embarrassing pictures of me or just pictures of me in the wild with people. Um, but anymore, I'll just like, I'll like, borrow my girlfriend's iPhone and DM her a picture and say, Hey, post this on my Instagram. Cause I still don't really know. Like, I think the other day she had to use my help to remember the login, but I don't know how I remembered the login for it. Cause it was 2013 or something when they made it, but they made it before we went on a tour and just to post some funny pictures of me. Um, so yeah, so that's the way I have an Instagram and then I have a Twitter in the way that I text to tweet and a couple times a day, I'll borrow my girlfriend's phone and check my notifications and make sure I didn't miss anything that somebody tried to talk to me and I didn't hear, see it. So yeah, so that's my uh, social media presence is a uh, borrowed. That's interesting. Um, I it can definitely be like addictive and I spend a lot of time in Disneyland, so I'll see people freak out because their phone's dying and they need to like find a charger so they can keep up on social media. And while they're at Disneyland, yeah, <laughs> they spend hundreds of dollars yeah. to go to this place and they care about keeping their phone alive. 
Yeah, but I mean, if you don't take a picture while you're there, did you even go? Huh. It's it's such a weird culture. Like these days, like if my phone dies, like I don't really care. I'm just like, all right, it dies. Like I don't think I'm gonna miss anything that important, so I'll just like wait till I um, can charge it again. But I'm not gonna like stress out and make a big deal about it. Yeah, the only time I care if my phone dies is if, if is if I know someone needs to get a hold of me for something. There is, I mean, dude, I didn't have a cell phone in high school. So that's, I, that's, I think, I think the thing is that people that I don't talk about and when in defending the flip phone is that I didn't even have a cell phone until I was in college. I had a piece of paper with friends numbers written on it. And I would take the city bus to like the area of town where my friends congregated and find a pay phone. And I would just sit there and just rail off numbers until I found someone to meet up with. Damn. And I think I forget that that's how I used to hang out with people. Sometimes I would just go where I thought my friends might be. And, you'd and that's find how them? I met up with people. And I would find them most of the time, yeah. Or at least I would find somebody. I think that's really why I hang out the way I do. Where, like, if I hang out with you, like, it's for the whole day. Because that's how it used to be for me. Like, I wasn't a person who, like, well, I'm going to hang out with this person and then we're going to go see this person. And then I didn't have to plan out my day that much. I just need to meet up with one friend and then handcuff myself to them. And I did whatever they wanted to do the whole day. I think that's why I don't care what I do most of the time either. Like the only thing I get weird about is going to the movies. I needed to get to the movie early enough to make sure I don't sit somewhere bad. I have a weird anxiety about that. But uh, other than that, I really don't give a fuck what I do. The only thing I ever want to do is go to the movies. Other than that, if you want to do something, I'm down. Out there, I'm. I don't. For going to the movies, the theaters I'm near you, they don't enable you to reserve your seats. Some of them do, but um, like we're going to see Detective Pikachu tonight, and um, I'm gonna have to. This theater, the theater we're going to, doesn't even do online tickets. Whoa. Um, okay. It's like, it's like kind of like an independent movie theater. Okay. Um, they, I think it's still open too, but there's like, we still have like a really cheap movie theater. Um, that has like the old school seats, like fucking like airplane seats. Okay. Um, that are like super fucking narrow and like not made for anybody overweight at all. Um, but, uh, that theater and the theater that we're going to go into tonight, we're, are still if the cheap theater is still going on which is like two dollar movies they do like two dollar movies they even maybe do like a one dollar movie day um and like their popcorn super cheap too it's super bad it's called village eight um and i've been going there since i was like fucking i think i saw the lion king there when i was little so i've been going there since a small child um but uh village eight and this theater baxter um, Baxter does like, they do like midnight movies in the summer too. So like I've seen like the princess bride there and, um, like they'll do like shit like that. Like they'll bring old movies back. They've done like aliens and shit like that too. Um, but, uh, we, um, that theater, they only do, you get, you have to like, if you want pre sale tickets, you have to go the day of the showing. You can't even get them a day early you have to go by the day of the showing and get tickets. So when I get off the phone with you, that's my, 
my plan for today is to go get our detective to get you tickets, and then we got to get there like thirty minutes early so we can sit somewhere not bad. <laughs> yeah, insane. And maybe hit the concession stand. Uh, we usually hit the Walgreens beforehand, but uh, sometimes we get popcorn. Okay, that's <laughs> fair. I'm, I'm, I'm still like I don't care. I'm thirty years old. I'm still sneaking candy in a movie theater. I'm not paying fucking four dollars for snow caps. I did the other day while we were at Avengers, but. I hated it. <laughs> so the theater that I go to, it's like um, in some like uh, like outdoor like mall. So there's like a like an outdoor food court connected to it, and they don't allow outside food in. But I, I was going to see the Avengers for the second time, and I'm just like, this is a really long movie. There's no way I'm gonna buy like a, a bunch of like sugary snacks to last me the whole movie. So I went to Subway and like snuck in like a like a foot long. It was it was probably the best move because I like timed it so I ate the first half in like the beginning of the movie and since I already seen it I was like okay I'm gonna eat the second half when this scene hits just so like I wouldn't go hungry and like sitting in the theater. That's fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah I can't sneak real food in. That, that makes me think about the fucking scene in scary movie when uh when she gets stabbed in the movie theater and she's brought in like fucking like all that different like wrapped up food yeah it's a classic it's kind of like i feel bad but um not too bad because i get really hungry sometimes and i just want to eat yeah dude most of the time in movie theaters like uh, like i i have a weird thing where like i'll eat the popcorn until it's gone like i don't ration that shit at all like the moment the popcorn hits my hand I'm eating it, walking to the theater, sitting through the previews. Usually the popcorn's gone before the first, like, third of the movie's even, like, played. Like, I have a weird, like, pre... Like, if the food's there, I'm just going to fucking eat it until it's gone. And I'm not even hungry, or I'm not even full, or I am full, or, you know, I'm... It doesn't matter. None of it matters. If it's there, I'm just going to keep eating it until it's gone. Um, I don't know. I feel like... I get smaller popcorn just because I, I feel like I, I could do the same thing. So I'm just like, okay, I'm, I, I don't want to eat a shit ton of popcorn just because it's there. So let me order the smaller bag and I'll just force myself to wait till the movie starts. Yeah. You see me and my girlfriend tried to do that, but we still, we, we eat the smaller bag of popcorn sometimes before you even get into the theater. <laughs> wow. That's wild. Yeah. Com- complete psychos, man. Huh? So do you have high expectations for Detective Pikachu? Um, I've heard it's pretty good, so I'm uh I'm I'm excited to see it. I really like Ryan Reynolds. I went and saw that Hitman's Bodyguard movie just because him and Sam Jackson were in it. Uh-huh. It's actually really funny. So uh I, anymore I think I'll just see something Ryan Reynolds is in because I think I think he's playing he's playing the same character in everything anymore, but I really like that character. So uh he's just playing Deadpool and everything now. But uh <laughs> yeah. um but I, but I, I think he's fucking funny, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go give it a shot. Also, like I loved Pokemon when I was little, so I'm sure I'm gonna have some nostalgia fucking nostalgia porn going on. Um, I felt the same way. I'm like one of the only people I know who likes those new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. But uh, they just they hit me because in a in a way because I'm like oh I had all these toys. I had all these toys. Like they did the fucking van in the last one. It was awesome. Yeah. 
I don't think um, the the newer ones were bad. I, I thought that was a interesting take. Like they did bebop and rocksteady, and they drove a tank in it. It was awesome. I I, I can't like I'm not I'm not gonna fucking I'm not gonna settle with anyone that doesn't think that's fucking badass. Like they I had the toy. I had the toy of that. Like it rocked. And they did Krang, uh, They did fucking Commander Krang or whatever, and I I couldn't fucking believe that shit. Yeah. Are they coming out with another one? I don't know. I think they're done. I think the last one didn't do so well, so they uh they've ba- they've bounced on it. Also, I heard like something I like heard something about like Megan Fox like apparently like people hate working with her for some reason. Like, I don't know what it is, but uh but I also I didn't care for her at all until she was in New Girl for like whatever season she was in New Girl. I thought she was she, I came around to Megan Fox in that because I was forever. I thought she was just like some like hot actress that like that's the only reason anybody cared for. Her. But she like we, me and my girlfriend were watching New Girl, and she popped up. We were both like, ugh. And then she was actually pretty funny, so we were like, oh okay, I guess she's fine. Did you finish out th- that series, New Girl? Yes. Did I love that show so much? So the, the Did fact you that cry you- at the end. It made me kind of sad, generally. Um, Dude, just be, watching just, all their kids play together, that fucking hurt me. Me and my girlfriend were a fucking mess at the end of that shit. I thought that was cute. I, I just hated that it had to end. Yeah. It, it, like My thing, though, with most shows is I wish they would end. Okay. Because I hate when they go on so long that it becomes either hard to keep up with them or they start to become, you know, either caricatures of themselves or get stale in any way. Like, no fucking lie. I watched like 12 seasons of Grey's Anatomy and then I fell off and I just don't feel like I can jump back in at this point. Is it still going? It's still going. And I want to know what's going on, but I don't care enough to find out. That's crazy. I got hit because, like, I, I took a couple years off, and then I saw like a really big spoiler, and I was like, "Oh, I was like, I don't want to watch the show anymore since my favorite character." Oh, Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Was it was it McDreamy dying? Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, it's fucked up, dude. I watched through that, and it's 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 pretty it's pretty fucked up. It's super sad. The, I will go ahead and say what they do with Karev's character after he's gone is really really interesting, and I would love to know what helped happen other than that, but I don't have the time. Yeah. Even though I have nothing to do right now, I don't have the time to catch one crazy that. Yeah, and your uh, precious time of doing nothing, you, can, you can't devote it to catching up with crazy yeah, I'm not going to do it on that. Huh. Okay. You know, we, we I don't know how we ended up. Topic. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know how we, we got ended way up. off topic here. <laughs> it's totally fine. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I, I, I did want to ask you about the the new record that came out. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go. Let's go some some <laughs> reasons why you're talking to me. Questions um, today. Let's, let's do this now. So. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, so, so so the new record um, when f- uh, fear turns to confidence um, that that had like a really big pop. Um, you guys assigned to Pure Noise Records. I, I was curious, um, how did you guys decide on that record label? Um, so uh, Knocked Loose has it like in their contract that things that wait, wait. are gonna. Are, are you able to talk about this? Before you yeah. get anybody, in, okay. All right, I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. I think so. Well, Knock Loose, Knock Loose has like the, the the deal in their contract where if like they're in side projects, it's got to you know swing by Pure Noise first, 
And um, so when the first record, when we put out Midwest Radio GP, um, when that came out, um, like they got to hear it. And Cahill, the guy who uh, uh, were like our point of contact at Pure Noise, who Isaac really fucking likes. And I really fucking like Cahill too. I've talked to him on the phone a bunch and he's been super fucking accommodating and excited about our band. Um, and, uh, but they, you know, weren't so much interested in the first record, but then I think once we started getting, you know, traction and people started caring a lot, um, I think Cahill, we're the first straight edge band that he's, or one of the first straight edge records he's like making happen. It's kind of his pet project to have us on the label. So that was kind of how it happened was you know, they were fully aware of inclination from the get go because that's like Isaac's responsibility to them being in knocked loose. Um, but it wasn't until like, you know, we were starting to have to think about a new record that we weren't really sure what was going to happen. There was like whispers in the fucking wind of labels that might be interested and, uh, or, you know, wanted to do a, like us to do a split with so-and-so or this, that, and the other. And um, and it just kind of made sense to do it with Pure Noise because Isaac had a relationship with uh, Cahill already. He cared about the band. He, you know, accommodated us to, like, I, I still get to press um, the first record through my label, you know, because of, you know, them being cool and punk about it, which, um, I don't know. I think that's, like, the the, the main reason I wanted to, to go through pure noises because I think that when, when people are punk right now, like people who are involved in things that are, you know, where like money is being made, you know, through hardcore, which is just such a foreign fucking feeling to me. Cause I didn't do that or still don't do that really. Um, but I wasn't in a band that could, you know, even have the prospect of even supporting itself, let alone, you know, paying for a van rental, or like a flight, you know, which this band has already done. It's, you know, paid for van rentals and flights. And we've managed to come home with enough money to, you know, pay merch bills and cover next merch orders and shit. So, uh, like when someone's punk and you're starting to enter this money world of hardcore, I think that says more when it isn't about the money and it's more about the art. And about, you know, the freedom and like, cause I mean, even when we, we signed, we signed to do like LPs and stuff. So this EP wasn't even on our like contract, but we were doing it and he was down. So it's like, I don't know. It's very, it's very cool to be in a situation where, you know, even though there are like contracts and like percentages and stuff like that, like we get the freedom to like do kind of what we want to and what we feel like is right for the band. And I, I know we probably could have talked to another label into giving us that freedom, but the fact that it was on the table from the beginning with pure noise, it just made sense and we all wanted to do it. So that's how pure noise happened. 
Okay, that's cool. I was um, always curious about um, that choice, but um, I, I think they're um, an awesome record label. Uh, a couple weeks ago, they announced um, their Pure Noise tour. Um, I was curious, were there ever any talks of maybe getting inclination on that tour? You know, I still haven't seen who's even on that Pure Noise tour because I'm so disconnected from things that get announced. Who's who's on that? It's uh, Stick to Your Guns, Counterparts, Terror, Sanction, and Year of the Knife. Yeah, no, no. no I'm, I'm assuming the... Well, Knocked Loose rules Inclination. When Knocked Loose isn't doing things, Inclination has room to do something. So most of the time, things don't make it past Isaac when we get asked to do something. So if Isaac's the point of contact for getting asked, he checks Knocked Loose's schedule, and he sometimes can deny something outright before the rest of the band even knows that we got it offered. Um and there, we've scabbed him for one show, and it was uh, Edge Day. And we, I don't know anything about music, but in that experience, I learned that apparently inclination songs are difficult to play. Um, and I didn't know that. I, I, I had a feeling, but I didn't know for sure. And um, m- my friend Daniel, who filled in for that, like, it was it was stressful and difficult with him learning the songs. And us not having like someone because we were, we like basically we met up practice once and then they ran through the songs before we played that day and we got through it. But if Daniel could have like practiced like for like weeks, we would have been better shape, but there's no one really in this area who I don't, no one in inclination trusts to play guitar in Isaac's place. So we've kind of, and also like, I remember being in the van, the first shows after, of which I think were just the, the FYA shows, being in the van with Isaac after playing a show without him, it made me never want to play without Isaac again. Like, even if it's, you know, a friend or something like that, like the dynamic that he has in the band with us, you know, just even hanging out is important to me enough that I don't really want to ever play without him again. And I think the rest of the band kind of feels that way about everybody in the band. Even though they played a show without me, they played that Calgary show, but there was no way they weren't going to play that benefit. Like, I fucked that up. I'm the one who fucking hurt my knee. I told them they do whatever they need to do to find someone to fill in for me, and they found three kids who could. So, like, me personally, like, if, if I ever fucking got destroyed and you know someone had to step in for me again i would let them make that call but if one of them did and this isn't me being like i'm not trying to be that fucking like you know fuck them you know because they would they did it for me but i wouldn't do it for them but i don't think i would really want to play a set anymore without everybody in the band because i mean we have these like we have there's there's like downtime and inclination songs and like I always like kind of like like to walk over and acknowledge everybody in the band at some point throughout the set, and it's just I've never done that or felt to want to do that in any other band because it's always the songs are over so fast or there's you know the energy's so so there, but there's so much where like I like get introspective with the band while we're playing that like I'll look at like my one of my favorite pictures right now 
is the picture they used for my GoFundMe or whatever of me hugging Peter, our guitar player, while we're playing. And it's like the cutest picture I think that's ever been taken of me because it's just a fucking really, I think Gabe uh, might have taken that picture or maybe my friend Eric took that picture. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I don't know. Inclination is pretty, we're, 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 we're a tight group. We really like care about each other and love each other. So like if Isaac gets asked to do something and he can't do it, then we don't hear about it. Or if somebody else get at, gets asked to do something, the first person they ask is Isaac. And then it goes to the rest of the band, you know? So, uh, like we were possibly going to play this as hardcore without, uh, our drummer, Brian, but now it's working out that he's going to get to play it. And the relief of that is fucking unmatched because I get to know that the drummer that was playing with us, I already vibe with and that's who I fucking follow. So I don't have to follow somebody. I don't feel as comfortable with for this is hardcore, which is fucking helpful. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. We might've gotten asked to do that pure noise tour, but if we did, I never heard about it. <laughs> for sure. So uh, this summer you guys are playing sound and fury and this is hardcore. Um, how do you feel about that? Um, terrified. Um, the I like Sound and Fury. I think still has another announcement. Yeah, it's happening on uh, it's happening on Thursday. They yeah. announced. I yeah, still I don't I have, I have no clue who else is on the Sound and Fury announcement. I the only thing I knew, um, I knew we got asked, and then shortly before the announcement, I knew Half Heart was playing, um, and uh, that's so fucking nerve wracking to me that like even I think. We're, I, I'm not sure if we're playing the big stage or the small stage or if that's, a th I think that's a thing. Yeah. There's um, a, like an intimate stage upstairs and then there's the, the main stage downstairs. I'm hoping we play the small stage because if we don't, I'm going to probably throw up when we're, when we're starting. If, uh, if there's even remotely half the number of people who bought tickets to that in the room, um, Dude, I'm probably going to throw up. And I don't know what this, I, I didn't realize this is hardcore is in a different venue this year. Yeah. Until I, somebody told me. I don't think a lot of people even really paid attention to that. Yeah. It's not at the electric so, factory. So I've, which I don't, I never really liked the electric factory. I felt like it made, well, the last year I went to this hardcore, they kind of corralled people in with like a barricade in a way that I think helped. But previous the previous time or times, I can't remember how many times I've been to the electric factory. I want to say I've been three, but I might've only been two. Um, I, I just feel like it, it, it allows too much space for people to not be up front. And um, for some reason, like starlight, even though the stage was taller, it felt more intimate and it felt like it pushed people together a little bit more. And I felt like there was more stage dives at starlight even than, uh, Electric Factory, which I think the stage at Electric Factory is perfect. But um, so, yeah, I'm interested to see where this is. I'm hoping, even though it doesn't matter to me, I'm hoping the stage isn't fucking too tall. I, I was I was so sad and I tried my best to not fucking say anything to Bob at FYA that at last minute that venue got moved to the old space. But 
I, I look, took one look over the stage at FYA and I was like, I'm not stage diving fucking once this weekend. There's no fucking way. I, like my knees hadn't even gone yet. And I was like, my knees can't handle that shit. Um, yeah, so, uh, pretty, st- uh, pretty tall stage at that venue. Yeah. At the FYA venue. Yeah. It's fucking death defying, dude. Anybody who's stage diving off that stage has a fucking death wish. Um, especially like, I just feel like uh, there's so few bands anymore that like pull kids up front. So, uh, so yeah. So like, I didn't even watch terror at FYA cause I was like, I'm going to do something stupid if I do. And I'm probably not going to be playing LDB if I watch terror tonight and turned out I had to play LDB on the fucking crutches anyway. Um, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty fucking nervous about the, the fests and we'll see. I almost lost what are the odds that the other day that, um, I would have to grow a goatee or go goatee. Cause I've got a beard right now for the first time in my life, Okay. but our guitar player tried to get me to get a goatee for both the fests. And, uh, luckily that didn't hit and I don't have to do that anymore. But, uh, I was scared for a second. I was like, man, I can't be from Kentucky with a goatee at these fests playing in front of people who've never heard of my band before. They're going to think all kinds of things about me that are probably mostly true, but you know, when at least give up the image that I'm somewhat intelligent. Well, it should be a pretty good, um, pretty fun summer. Are you guys doing anything in between the two fests? I mean, there's like a week between the fest, so no, oh, th- th- like, uh, yeah, like we're, we're, we, we do that five day tour in the Midwest. And the reason we did it in the West tour is because we knew we were playing sound and fury. Um, if we didn't get asked to play sound and fury this summer, we would have probably tried to fly out and do several West coast shows because we've hit East now, like a few times Okay, we've played, we did that. The, the tour last summer was, um, you know, we went to Philly and Mass and Buffalo. We could not get anything near Long Island, which we tried for, but uh, really, there was like people, people, people were on tour, okay. like who could do it, and like you know, friends were away, so it was, it was just like a. It, also, that uh, we didn't realize when we were doing it that we ended up being in Buffalo while a, half of Buffalo was at Sound and Fury. Okay. So. Yeah, like that. Like that. Sh- the show was sick and it did well, but like the my friends and uh, were by their means who uh, booked it. They were like, "Man, there's like at least like thirty or forty kids missing right now because they're all fucking Sound of Fury." And I was like, "God damn, that sucks." <laughs> he was like, "Yeah, the one year our scene goes to Sound of Fury is the year we have a cool show while that's going on." Um, but yeah, so we've hit East like we feel like extensively with doing those shows and, um, and playing edge day and then playing those couple shows down to Florida for FYA. Like we wanted to hit, we want to hit, but my goal always is to never have to play the same place twice in inclination because we don't play often enough for it to feel necessary. Like there's so many places we haven't been that when we go out, I feel like we shouldn't have to go back to that many right away. Yeah, you, you want to. that makes sense. Yeah, you kind of want to check off all the out. regions, and yeah. then come back. I don't want everybody to feel like we're only going to one place because we're never going anywhere. <laughs> so when we do go somewhere, I want to go somewhere where kids have been wanting us to go and feeling like we haven't. 
that way like you know there's always the the joke when someone posts a tour and they're like oh what no texas dates and it's like well there aren't this time but maybe at some point we'll go to texas but it's hard going to texas from where we're at because there's like no great way there or back without you know just driving one way by like you know with no shows um but uh and also we've got crazy time restrictions our, our guitar player is a teacher our other guitar players and knocked loose um, Caleb, our bass player, he, uh, he's in college right now going for like engineering degree. So he's going to like, when he's done with that, I'm sure he's going to have like an important job. That's going to, you know, be an extra wrench in the inclination broken machine. And then Brian agrees to play in every band that'll have him. So we, uh, you know, we, we do run into time things and I can't like take like three weeks off at a time. And luckily nobody else can either. So. We uh, we kind of we're in a situation at all times with trying to book a tour. Like we, like that tour is it's five days, and we wanted to do six days, but if we do six days, it runs into Sound and Fury. Yeah. <laughs> so and we've got to be home to fly home or to fly out to Cali for that, and then yeah. So like it, it fucking sucks for me too because I'll have only been back to work for just a little over a month when we go on these tours. So like I've been off work since February 9th and then I'll go back to work for a month and I'll say, all right, fuck off. I'm leaving again. <laughs> and, uh, my job already isn't functioning without me. So they'll be a little sour at me for that, but you know, well, fuck em. <laughs> at least it's only for like a short time in the summer. It's not like you're going to be gone forever. Oh yeah. And it's all in July, which is the thing. And like, I'm going to get away with just being gone a weekend for uh, this is hardcore and I'm actually going to just going to take a vacation the week for, uh, for our tour in sound and fury. Cause they, the way they coincide, it, it works out perfect for me kind of, and I get to be a fucking maniac on 4th of July still, which is my biggest, you know, important thing is 4th of July is like my favorite day of the year. Cause you get to get away with just setting off explosives anywhere. <laughs> That's awesome. Where do you guys, uh, where do you get your fireworks from? Uh, Indiana is legal, so we usually buy them from Indiana. But I, one of my friends said he possibly has a connect on fireworks this year. So I don't know what that means. So that might mean <laughs> illegal fireworks. Okay. So I'm interested, but also afraid because I've got to go on tour the day after that. And usually I'm dis- disappointed when I end the 4th of July with both eyes and all my fingers. But uh, this year I kind of need those to yeah, to go on tour for five days. Yeah. So I'm hoping, this is like the first 4th of July, I'm hoping I don't end up in the ER the night of because it could inhibit us going to Milwaukee the next day. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we, uh, I've, you know, disclaimer for anyone listening to this, but if you set off, uh, the mortar fireworks, the best thing to do with them is actually to find an open area and tie all the wicks together and light them all at the same time and run away. It's way sick. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds too scary for me. And like half the time you get caught in the blast and it's fantastic. (laughs) Real quick on um, Milwaukee. Uh, do you know anything about the venue that you guys are playing in? Uh, no, I know we're playing with Low End and uh, uh, Slow Panic, 
and uh, I want to say I can't remember if MH Chaos got asked to play that show or if they're playing or not. I can't really remember. I looked at all the flyers and they immediately went in my eyes and out the back of my head. Um, like I know we're playing with some bands that I want to see. Like I think we're playing with Gadget um, from Minneapolis, which I'm really excited to see that band. Um, but uh, other than that, yeah, I really fucking can't remember. I know we're playing with Spine in Kansas City, which will be cool. Yeah, shout out um, to Spine. Dude, fucking love those guys. We, uh, I, my other band is doing a split with their other band, uh, Contrast. If it, they're still a band, I'm not sure. I think the record might have taken so long to come out. Which actually, the records are done. I need to go pick them up like any day now. But I'm gonna have to wait for like cover art. Uh, well, we got the cover art, but I've got to wait for the covers to be made before I can ship them out. So I've dropped the ball semi on this one but uh i don't know i tried to get a bunch of things going for my label while i was hurt because i knew once those medical bills come in all the label money is going to start looking real good to spend on medical bills mm-hmm. so i tried to spend it all on starting projects for other bands while i was uh had the chance to before i had to pay fucking thousands of dollars for my fucking stupid knee hopefully it all works out but yeah me too. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. If it's not, you know what? Life is short. Yeah, you'll figure <laughs> you it out. You don't have to suffer for that long. <laughs> All right. Um, tell people where they can find you and your band. Um, I say I really only, I know it's on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and shit like that. Um, yeah, I, just, I hope people come to the shows this summer. I hope people come to the tour. Um, uh, I know it, it, a couple of the days interfere with the have heart reunion. So I fucking fully understand people being in Massachusetts for those. But if anybody's not, uh, not going to that and is within five hours of us playing the summer, I mean, we don't play that much. So it'd be fun if people came out and had fun and just, just don't barrel directly into my knee intentionally and, uh, we'll have a good time. <laughs> All right, I'll link everything in the show notes and try to make it easier for people to be able to find you guys. But um, I had fun. This has been like probably like one of my favorite episodes. So I want to thank you for um, agreeing to come on the the podcast. It definitely means a lot to me. Dude, thanks for asking me, Jamie. I do. I love doing this shit, and I feel like I, I rarely get asked. But I'm at a time right now where I've got fucking nothing going on. So. uh Oh, I will do a shameless plug. If uh, anybody wants to check out my label, Life and Death Brigade, um, that, uh, that'd be sick if people check that out. We did the, the Midwest Straight Edge uh, EP, and we only have, like I think, like six left right now at this point that, we're, uh, that you're making this. Um, and I've got the second press on the way. So when that drops, it'd be cool if people picked that up or checked out the other bands on it. Um, that contrast band with uh, members of Spine, that's what's coming out, and that's my other band. Constraint is with is on that split. So uh, if uh, anybody has any interest in other dumb things I've said, they can uh, check that out. All right. Well, there it is. Thank you again, and I'm sure I'll, I'll talk to you soon. And thank all of you guys for listening. This has been awesome. Um, this has been another episode of the Jamie K podcast always on top.